1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to Cross and Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus is king. There is no neutrality, no exile, no surrender. My name is Jason. I'm one of your hosts. And with me, as always, are my brothers and fighters, Jordan and John. Hey there. Howdy, howdy. How are you gentlemen doing all right today? Yeah, doing real good. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I like that response from the Hong Kong episode. That was... Uh... That was a nice response we got. Lots of stuff going on there yeah. still this yeah. week. It just never stops. Yeah, my understanding too is like the China came out and basically said they're tired of the trade war too. Did you see that right. that headline floating around? So it's like, you know, here's all the tariffs and there's all this stuff with Donald Trump, President Trump. They're facing pressure from every direction. Yeah, and then Hong Kong's in the mix, and it's quite a chaotic thing. But thank you for all the feedback on that episode. It was a fun episode. It was a different type and of to episode. to see those crowds sing that song, Hallelujah to the Lord, in the midst of their protesting, that was no, it's, really special. It's pretty awesome, and you can't disconnect. This is a huge reminder. You can't disconnect the gospel of the kingdom from uh, freedom from oppression and tyranny. Like It's right. just all wrapped up. And it is such an affront to the Communist Party. They oh, are so he, godless. Hugely, it's the so. most offensive thing you could say. Absolutely. Yeah. So keep on, keep on praying for Hong Kong, uh, the, all the brothers and sisters there, and uh, of course, thank you for uh, listening last week. And but most importantly, keeping you know prayer for the for for those brothers and sisters. Yeah, you can check out that video of them singing. We have that on our Crossing Crown Radio page, so that's uploaded in there. It's got quite a few shares, and 
it's a great video to watch. It's not lengthy or anything, but it's quite humbling too to see. Usually, um, when Americans take the street, it's because their team lost, so they burn couches and flip cars over and climb telephone poles. Not many are gathering to sing like that, sadly. But under those conditions, under those conditions, yeah, especially. I mean, goodness gracious. So we'll keep tracking that. We may have some future episodes that we might need to touch on that as things develop over in Hong Kong. So anyway, we we have a big episode today, a huge episode with a huge announcement that we're going to get to in a little while. We have to, I'm sorry, I know, you know, listeners of podcasts, so they had to just say it. They can't just tell us what the announcement is. We have to listen to the whole thing. Well, we're going to trust that you're a faithful listener all the way through and that you won't forward ahead because then you might miss something else. But nonetheless, yeah, later on, we're going to have an announcement for you, um, something that we are excited about, very excited about, actually, um, a project we've worked on with some other people, too. Um, We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, I I, I do want to say there was a review that I missed, and it's my fault. All right. Uh, Dropping the ball, Pastor. Thomas. Shame. Thomas Black wrote us on Facebook, said, man, I love these discussions. These brolios talk about a lot of interesting, relevant topics. I'm not sure what that means, but thanks. Brolios. (laughs) Brolios. I think that's um, some sort of like uh, derivative of brosif. Ah. Brosical. Okay. (laughs) Brohim. It sounds good, so. (laughs) Yeah, I I trust the, uh, yeah, brolio. That's a new one. I've not heard that one before. That's like next level bro. (laughs) Yes, it is. So thank you, Thomas, for for that recommendation on Facebook. We appreciate it. And as always, if you have some thoughts, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and send us a a message uh, at the radio page or give us a review on iTunes. So absolutely. So, Pastor, where are you going to be next week? Oh, well, by the time this launches, I will be thousands of miles away. <laughs> I might even maybe we'll post production that one and put that song in there. Um just a reminder for that. No, um yeah, by the time this is this is out, I'll be in Zambia at the University of Zambia doing a Bible conference, also working with some church leaders uh at Christian Word Center International with Bishop Malenga. He's a friend of mine, a friend of ours. Um, in conjunction with Bishop of Souls and Brother Ron Kronz and Shout out, Brother Ron. Ron. He just got back. He was in Zimbabwe and and uh, just some great stuff there in, in South Africa. Zimbabwe, by the way, uh, I talked to, to him today. There, there's a it's a mess over there. Uh, hyperinflation. The the government is just out of whack. Um, he was telling me one story, basically. Uh, I forget the leader's name over there, but he's not a he's not a God fearing man. Let's just say that. But he'll he'll legitimately shut down all. You want to talk about socialism, right? We we compare like the public school system with like grocery stores. Literally over there, they are shutting down grocery stores to jack up the prices. Sounds like a brilliant strategy. You could be in the store. They will close it down, change the price right at you. You know, while you're there. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? It reminds me of uh, in the in the Great Depression, we actually burned crops to prop up prices for the farmers. There you go. Yep. It doesn't work. Yep. So they have they have issues over there and so they need our prayers and they're, you know, there is a Christian church there that is that is doing the work and they're trying, but it's, you know, it's hard when you have that type of nonsense. But anyway, I'll be uh, in Zambia preaching, teaching, talking about the greatness of the Great Commission, trying to hone in on getting 
some of these young minds, they're college students and they're eager to learn and just to give them the tools of reconstruction now so that when they go into business or especially a lot of them are gonna go into politics, they'll be the future leaders. So trying to infiltrate their minds now is really key for the strategy. So thanks. I have a lot of work ahead of me yet. So I think I'm preaching like seven or eight times in six days. So it's that, a, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> a lot of a lot of work. I have some of that prepped. I have more to do on the airplane, but you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it. And especially those who who gave to that trip, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, it's a blessing, you know, it's humbling too, because a lot of people there were people that gave that I I don't even know who they are, which is so cool to see. God's people band together for something like this. So, and just to encourage all of you who gave, there are some very interesting things that uh, looked like it could could come out of this. So, we'll see. Yes, we'll see. Yes, indeed. All right, um, all right. We we want to get into this discussion on abolitionism. That is the main focus of this first segment. Abolitionism. What is it? What isn't it? Those sort of concepts. And really, I, I guess for fodder for us. Let's just start with that. What is abolitionism? And we really would want to point our listeners to abolition101.com. And you may even, while listening, want to go there and you can browse around and check out the site, abolition101.com, which is a site that is a collaborative effort of many people, big words, hard words. and, and it really describes what we mean by abolitionism and, and why it's important to define it. So let's, let's start with the what and then the why. What is abolitionism? Well, abolitionism is generally, at least today, in 2019, uh, in reference to the fight against abortion. So a lot of times within uh, Christian circles or conservative circles, especially reform circles, you hear about abolitionism and their thoughts might go to abortion ministry. And that, that's accurate. It definitely is about that. Of course, historically, it has always been about slavery, like human slavery. Uh, so it is a term that can be directed towards different sorts of fights for some sort of social justice, some sort of civil justice, if you will. Oh, that, that scared me. Social justice. Oh buses. goodness, you know, um, Marxism. Marxism alert. All right, <laughs> but but abolitionism has always been uh, tied up in the doctrine of repentance. It's about how can uh, large bodies of people, covenantal bodies or national bodies, can repent of some sort of great evil, whether that is a uh, abortion or slavery or any you know something else. Uh, it doesn't even have to be those two things. It could be. Um, massive criminal justice reform. It could be um, trafficking. It could be abortion. It could be uh, any you know lots of different social evils. For example, so abolitionism seeks to answer the question of like how does the bride of Christ address and combat these great evils? So that's the simple part of it. Now abolitionism over the last several years, goodness, it might be seven or eight years now, where um, certain Christian circles have kind of been revitalized in thinking about these issues in a biblical way. Um, Abolitionism started getting more popular, if you will, a couple years ago. And uh, it's oftentimes been talked about as having five tenets and two modes. So this is usually how it's defined. And um, so we can kind of quickly go through these tenets. Yeah, sure. You know, you know it, just like everything else on this show, uh, we can have uh, an episode per tenant. So I don't want to dive in too deep 
onto this because there's other things we want to discuss. We could probably do a whole episode just on the comparison between abolitionism and slavery and abolitionism and and abortion and all of the intricacies. Well, absolutely. There's so much to talk about. So I'm going to kind of fastball this real quick. So there's five tenets of abolitionism. And the first tenet is biblical and theological. So this doctrine of abolitionism uh, is rooted in the authority of scripture and it's highly theological. Um, two primary theological points that it relies upon is that human beings are created in the image of God. So all of our value, all of our worth is very much focused and, uh, and contingent upon us being image bearers of God, period. That's super important. And the other key doctrinal point that it relies upon is the incarnation of Christ. And how significant is it that like the God man came to earth physically through a woman. Yeah. Like everywhere I've been in as, as a human, uh, every stage of development from zygote to embryo and so on and so forth. Like Jesus Christ has been there. Mm-hmm. And it was just deeply important to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Human beings could have value outside of that, but it's so significant. That's like God could have been killed at Planned Parenthood. Yeah, God and, could have been killed at Planned Parenthood, or God the Son, I should say. Right, and and that, you know, I was just while you were saying that, it made me think of, you know, folks who, they're trying to toe the pro life line, and they mean well. Uh, people who we would call gospel Christians, like they love Jesus, that you know, the Bible, evangelical, but right. they're trying to pro the, toe the pro life line. Unique New York. All right, got it, and so. <laughs> That type of of language, oftentimes, um, it doesn't give the fuller picture of what abolitionism is because we're not specifically talking about abortion only, right? I mean, we're talking about it, but we're not, that's not the the only thing, as you said earlier. Right. So when we speak of scripture, the image of God and incarnation, these are obviously hugely theological. And we would say they are very important to the discussion. Right. Oh, very, very important. So, so yeah. whether you're talking about a heartbeat bills, things we'll get into, I'm sure later. Right. Like this is foundational stuff. It's not like you know that's the doctrines that we hang on to it in Sunday school, and then finally we get out in the public square and we start arguing from a different presupposition. Well, if anybody wants to argue for any sort of of uh, civil rights, if you will, or social justice or anything like that, you first have to presuppose the why. Like, why should I even care about genocide? Yeah, what's why, the moral odd? Why should I even care about hunger? Why should I even care about Hong Kong protests? Why should I care about any of these things? It's because we're created in the image of God, and Jesus Christ was there too. Same thing with the immigration debate. Not to go on a rabbit trail, but we're talking about people made in the image of God. Absolutely. You don't check that doctrine at the door just because you want a border wall, you know, the, the image of God is a foundational doctrine. Very much so. So that's the first tenet of abolitionism. Uh, and, and keep in mind, some of these tenets might like bleed into each other. And that's intentional. It's very much like any other systems of theology or doctrine where they're interdependent and they're all connected. Um, so abolitionism first is biblical and theological. It's biblical as in that it is, relies upon the authority of scripture and primarily these two theological points. Second is that abolitionism uh, is believes in the uh, the providence of God. Mm-hmm. It's providential. 
So we rely upon the sovereignty of God and how we go about abolitionism. Uh, we are optimistic. And because we're optimistic and because we rely upon the sovereignty of God, we can rely upon God as opposed to pragmatism or utilitarian ideas. Um, so how we seek abolition is going to be very much affected by our belief in the providence of God. If we don't believe in the providence of God, what are some pitfalls that we might run into as we seek to abolish abortion? Lots of things. Yeah, I mean, lots of things. A lot of political pragmatism, like uh, feeling the need to lock arms and join together with people that deny the gospel. Right. Because you're just, it's sort of like an at all costs because it's on us and we have to bring it about and we don't have to rely on God's sovereignty. We just have to, you know, the ends justifies the means do whatever because the methodology doesn't matter. We just need to get to the end. Absolutely. And as this also really directly relates to any kind of uh, uh, nihilism or defeatism that some people can have within the abolition. Well, I don't want to say the abolitionist movement, but the pro-life movement. And this is deeply important because there are people out there, people who have abortion mill ministries, who, who send out evangelists to abortion mills, and they, they preach the gospel. God bless them, because so many people don't do that. I don't do it enough. I mean, so many people don't do that. And, and they save babies. They legit save babies. But they have no plan or no strategy whatsoever about abolishing abortion. And the other because of theology. Yes. And your, to your question, Jordan, what, if we don't rely on the sovereignty of God, then what we do in that moment is throw off any honest category of how we define anything. Really, you you throw away God's covenantal sanctions. Um, you know, we're going to, it's the idea of, you know, God's going to judge us because we keep killing babies. Well, actually, that is the judgment and it's filling up to the brim and God's wrath is poured out when he gives us over to that, you know, to our sin, to our lust. So if you don't rely on the sovereignty of God, you are relying on your own categories, your own You're absolutely right. version of providence. Uh, I, I would say child sacrificed, child sacrifice as, as evidenced by several places in the Old Testament is an indicator of judgment. Uh, also homosexuality in like Romans 1, for example, like uh, given over to their pleasures. Like these are all judgments of God because of a lack of faithfulness in other yeah, areas. It's like the first judgment. And then they're spewed out of the land many times after so many generations of this going on and on. Right. Exactly. Unless there's a wall and you can't get out. <laughs> True. <laughs> Sorry to keep Let's going switch this back to, to that. But there's like they're, part of the problem is, what have you is been Jason lately? really got to be in his <laughs> well, over this wall tonight. We might have to switch the topic. <laughs> They just released drone footage of these 60 miles of wall. That's what's And I watched mind. this. I watched this guy on Fox yeah. News. There was my first mistake. It suggest, you know, that, uh, oh, this is this is successful. We're safer now. And so, yes, I'm a little I flustered I tonight. It. We're going to put a wall around this topic for the rest of the night. How about that? I see what you did there. So th there's this third tenet. And it, it's, a, it, you know, it's a little tenet. It's, it's called gospel-centered. And I, I say little... Um, uh, jokingly uh, so this is so central and i don't think it's really a mistake that it's also the the middle tenant yeah. <laughs> but uh it is very very important it's because this is the how like how do we actually go about abolishing abortion and it's by the gospel of jesus christ period so abortion is sin just as simple as that abortion is sin 
injustice, any injustice is sin. Slavery is sin. And because all of these things are sin, what are what is the what is the answer to sin? The gospel, like the answer to sin is the blood of Christ. The answer to sin in society is the blood of Christ redeeming all things throughout history. So it's not just a incantational gospel that saves individuals. It's a gospel that transforms society. It's a gospel that will save the world. And part of saving the world is definitely going to be establishing justice for the least of these. And, and, and that's so, so, so important yeah, that we be, believe in this. Because it, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the first tenet with uh, biblical, because there is a moral ought to all of this. It's not just we arbitrarily want to decide to eliminate abortion and abolish abortion. The moral ought is that, you know, Christ is incarnated. He as the image as uh, in the image of God was born in the womb. And then also he's the Messiah. As you mentioned, he came to save the world and he, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He was given all authority in heaven and on earth. So that moral ought, when we stand in front of the mill or in front of a city council or wherever we are in our relationships and we're saying, no, you shall not do that. It's not on our own authority. It's because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has all authority in every single nation, every single realm of every single society. And that's that declaration of the promise of the coming Messiah who would bring about justice is just an important aspect of the gospel that um, as the fact that he's savior of your soul. Amen. We need to clip that. That was good, Jordan. I, I, I just, that's it. Because the key word that stuck out to me, and this is where I think there's a major misunderstanding of abolitionism and why it's distinct or ought to be distinct from pro-lifeism, is the connection between sin and injustice. And that right there is, I think, the crux of the debate and the problem is because we do not see, a lot of times we look at the the abortion industry and we see this the bloodshed and the the pain and all these things that are left in the wake of such a disastrous um, sin we we fail to make the connection of it being an injustice so we sort of just we're like sad about it and we should be we should mourn over it um, but it kind of stops there we don't see and so there's this impulse for you know trying to seek for justice and take abolitionism and the gospel being the focus into that conversation, and then you can start to have some answers to it. Otherwise, it's just you feel bad about something. Exactly. You know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not say it better. That's perfect. Uh, let's see. So uh, let's get to tenant number four. Uh, this is body-driven. And, and what we mean by that is that the... The bride of Christ, the church, the, the universal church, has an obligation before God to seek out justice and strive to provide mercy for those, uh, for the for the least of these, for those who are being trampled upon. And this applies to abortion. It also applies to other, other things. Uh, simply put, the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness, applies to the church. And the church has an obligation to go out and do that. Not just believe in it, but go out and do justice, and that could be different things. And I want I want to make this clear because this is this is a little bit more of a controversial point, or or can be a controversial point. I don't think any of us really believes that you are obligated to go hold a sign. I don't think that's what we're saying. I think that needs to be clear. Mm -hmm. I think more people should. 
And I think I think more people should question why they don't. I think more people uh, should go out of their way to do that, and so on and so forth. I'm I'm not dismissing the sign holding, uh, but there's lots of different ways to to fight for abolition. Because the the question back as people hear this and they're trying to critique it might be, well, what are you saying? Are you saying that every single person in the church has to devote their life? entirely to going to abortion mills 100% of the time and that's what body driven means you know and really mm-hmm. we're, we're really we're really taking this back from a uh, you know you want to zoom out on on society what is a bigger issue in society than the holocaust of abortion right what there is no that is the clearest most manifestly obvious instance of of grave evil in society so if the church collectively is not speaking out if they are silent if they are not acting not only speaking but acting if they are not orienting behaviors around how are we going to undermine and end and work towards the abolition of this great evil then the church is not speaking out against idolatry and if you want to look in the new testament for uh, an exa- for examples of the the apostles the disciples the apostles going out and exposing the public evil of the day, you're you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a, a hard time finding it because that's what they were doing. They were constantly going out and exposing whether it was statism in that day, whether it was the false gods that they were that they were worshiping, um, whether it was internally in the church. They're consistently bringing these societal evils about, and they were showing them for what they were. And so, yeah, it's not a, a, a one size fits all. You must do this exact way. Of fighting abolition but it is it is the sense that the church must not be silent on these kinds of massive massive evils in society yeah and two things piggybacking on that I think one thing that why is it the obligation of the church well because the church has the Holy Spirit of God mm-hmm. so there's there's the first thing and it God's Holy Spirit is meant to enact and empower the gospel in society in the world so that's why we go under christ's authority he has all authority in heaven and earth not our authority absolutely so and then the second thing it made me think of that jordan was just this idea of um when we think of body driven i think the worst case scenario we should be considering is that we are um um, so overwhelmed that our churches are are having to have extra meetings to strategize (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like worst case scenario is is uh, your week is booked because you know one person's working with another couple who's going to watch their kids because they do want to go to the abortion mill or or the church is strategizing you know ways to to do x y and z like that's that's what we mean by body driven it's not it's not just one aspect of life this is the kingdom of god's social order where you do need don't quit your full-time job that supports your family and just go hold a sign, like figure out ways to partner with people who may be doing that or, you know, strategizing all these different ways or teaching your children, the Christian education. We fighting injustice requires us to be smarter, not dumber. No, absolutely. It's all according to our resources and our means, but I want to qualify that with, you have to be honest about your means and your resources. Like we're mostly not all of our listeners, but we're mostly Americans that are fairly well off, fairly well off. 
all things considered, we do have means. We do have opportunity. We do have resources. So let's be honest about that and let's act on that. Amen. So let's see. Number five. Number five. That's going to be immediate and uncompromising. So this is the immediatism. So this is a very um, strategic, if you will, strategic tenant. And all immediatism means is that we are going to only advocate for like a non-compromising strategy that doesn't accept any sort of uh, legal or even rhetorical um, uh, or any, any legal means or rhetoric that could actually betray our core values. So what that would mean is that we couldn't support legislation or even rhetoric that undermines our values. So if a bill could be passed and the bill could functionally end with, and then you can kill the baby, then we could not support that. So these are gonna be oftentimes bills or, uh, or pro-life language even, or rhetoric, that includes exceptions. So for example, it could be um, a abortion ban that has an exception for those who are conceived in rape, or that has exceptions for uh, those who might be diagnosed with Down syndrome or some other disability. Heartbeat. Heartbeat, for example. Uh, you can't kill me if I have a heartbeat. If I don't have a heartbeat, then go ahead. All of those bills might sound good on the surface, and some people might make the argument that it's a step in the right direction, but it undermines the core principle. And the core principle is what? You are created in the image of God. Because here's and, and here's the response you always get is, well, you can point to this bill, and this bill saved X number of babies. Right. And it's such an arrogant thing to say because they don't really know in the grand scheme of thing how many babies that bill saved. And if and in the grand and in the really big picture, that whole strategy as a as a strategy, the incrementalist strategy, has led to the continuing of millions and millions of babies slaughtered every year, you know, since Roe v. Wade. We're going on decade after decade after decade. And by the way, public uh, opinion on abortion is not in the it, not in a good place. It's 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 in a bad place. Right. Um, if you were to take this in any other scenario, like sometimes I think if we thought of it like as like uh, abolishing killing baby seals, then people would get it. Like let's say that you had a, a mandate from a general, and the and the mission was you need to, you know, abolish. The clubbing of baby seals over the next however many years as soon as possible get it done and then for decade after decade you just fail and you're trying to you know regulate the size of the club that they can use to kill the baby seal or what age the baby seal can be before they do it or in what season they can kill the baby seal and, and so ever and, and after decades five decades you go back to the general and you're like well you know uh what do we got here uh well we got 60 million dead baby seals uh with millions more every year uh, no improvement in the percentage of the population who oppose baby seal clubbing. You've got support for overturning the federal court decision, which allowed seal clubbing in the first place, dwindling down to 23%, which is what it's at for, for baby abortion. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, the biggest baby seal clubbing funding organization is thriving under a regulated environment, right? And so and by any standard, you could look at that whole strategy and say, what an utter failure. 
Yeah. And this is actually exactly what happens yeah. whenever you regulate a market that has a high demand. The big companies actually thrive because they can eat the cost of the regulations and the small companies can't thrive and they're just put out of business by the big company. So now you have exactly. Planned Parenthood actually thriving in, in, in part actually because of the regulationism and the mom and pop abortion clinics are being shut down while Planned Parenthood builds mega centers. Exactly. And because we will not stop pushing these bills that, that at the end of the day, like you said, John, end with, and then you can kill the baby, we are still having the situation where it's legal and where all these babies are being killed. And your incrementalist strategy is adding to the number of babies being killed. Look at the past however many decades. It's, And then when you critique that strategy, the incrementalist strategy, the response is many times, oh, well, how arrogant of you to look at these people working so hard and they're trying to do this and they, they've accomplished this and you're just spitting on their accomplishments. Like, no, it's not about your little kingdom. It's not about what you've accomplished. Let's look at what the law of God requires and then let's step back and see, okay, a departure from that has, has uh, resulted in this. Absolutely. And this ties right into tenet two, the providence of God. What do we rely mm -hmm. upon? The providence of God or political pragmatism? Yeah. And I just have a quick question because I want to get into the argument. We'll do that and then maybe later about running all the plays because I hear this a lot. Smash mouth immediately. Yes. Incrementalism. Yeah. The strategy has failed. We've been running the plays. Yes. Well, and there are plays that are against the rules. Actually, you're not allowed to run them yeah. because it violates the rules of the game. But anyway, we'll get into that. I, I just have a quick question especially to a listener who may be pro-life and may be thinking, wow, that's harsh. Like the, the heartbeat bill, why would you not want to save some children? I mean, that's a, a just thing, right? Well, one, why are we putting our trust in the hands of evil people to trust that they're going to say, oh, I found a heartbeat. I guess we can't do this procedure today. Why, why are we putting... <laughs> You realize the question is, is uh, semi-rhetorical, but why why are we doing that? Why are we putting it instead of the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, the, the justice of God, the law of God? Why are we putting this in the hands of people who are so twisted in their mind as to think that this is a positive thing? That's beyond me. Yeah, and, and people who um, run the sonograms, they'll tell you that it's so easy just to not see it. If you're if you're not wanting to see it, you know, you're not going to see the heartbeat. And, and yeah, these are the these are the people who, who, like you say, they're willing to kill babies. So why are we thinking they won't lie? Right, they're about they're a willing to kill babies, and they're getting paid. Yes. Yep. It's um, yeah, recipe for this disaster. doesn't add up. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, come back to. But that's our, all five, right? That's all five. I know we want to talk about the two modes, so we'll come back to that. But we'll take a break now, and uh, we'll come back, discuss that, give you guys the big announcement. You know, I know you're on the edge of your seat and or automobile as you drive, waiting for hearing, waiting to hear this. But uh, we'll be back in a second. And listen up for our, our commercial, our partners, uh, Telos Coffee Roasters. If you get want you to some. Get, get some coffee, it's really good stuff. So make sure you uh, listen for that website. We'll be back.
presenting Telos Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of Cross and Crown Radio. Telos exclusively chooses specialty-grade coffee to derive the highest flavor potential from beans sourced all over the world, culminating in deliciously roasted coffee for your enjoyment. Visit our website at www.telloscoffeeroasters.com to peruse an array of delightful blends or even purchase a subscription. Telos Coffee, where it's our purpose to deliver coffee you'll enjoy. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make weal and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Amen. That's Amen. Isaiah 45, 4 through 7. Interesting translation. I, I use the NRSV. Uh, but the ESV talks about creating calamity, and the and the point of that obviously is God is the sovereign ruler. He's the sovereign one. Isaiah speaks a lot about God being the only one. So welcome back to Crossing Crown Radio. <laughs> a lot of stuff in the first half. We didn't get to the um, agitation and assistance. We want to talk briefly about the two modes. Absolutely. And then we'll get to the announcement. We're going to make the listeners wait just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. <laughs> Hang on tight. And uh, we'll expound on some more of this stuff. So, John, if you just want to get get right to it, let us let us know. What are we talking about? Two modes. Well, we're talking about, you know, abolitionism has uh, five tenets, two modes. And sometimes there's also talk of seven stages, which I might hit on in a little bit. But the two modes are sort of the practical how do we go about doing this sort of thing and their agitation and assistance so first of all agitation scary word <laughs> you know yeah. uh, it is sort of a, a word that has negative connotations to a lot of people or um, negative thoughts surrounding it but all we're really talking about is agitation in the technical sense so we're stirring things up if you will um and this is going to be exposing the darkness. This is going to be the talking to people about abortion, uh, handing out tracts, holding a sign, basically doing things that engages the culture in a way that disrupts their apathy and shines a light on the evilness of it. And that is a very agitating thing, though we're not going out there with the just the goal to make people angry but we are recognizing that oftentimes the truth does agitate in that sort of way and can i say something here i think agitation is for the mature christian um brother matt wiermsma the other day saw a clip of him he's always out there he was in front of uh, a public school in downtown dc proclaiming about abortion i mean this was not a friendly place to be that was brave. That was courage. And that's the kind of stirring up trouble that you need. You need a prophet out there right. saying, calling attention to this great evil at the gates of hell, at the gates where they're trying to defend 
you know, their, their strongest battle. So that's the kind of stirring up with courage. But what we don't mean with agitate, and as you think of like, you know, trying to pull your sister's hair or just a, a noisy gong, what we don't mean is just going to try to annoy people. And the more of a jerk that you are, the more that you've succeeded in quote mm-hmm. agitation. That's not agitation as we right. as we mean it. And also like disrupting people and making them angry isn't proof that you're doing something correctly. Yes. Right. Thank you. That's not proof of that at all. You could actually just be being a jerk, to be perfectly frank. But we also don't want to fall into the other ditch and say, because people had a strong negative reaction to you must be doing something wrong. I think exactly. that's also not what we're saying. Yes. Yeah. And I like that you brought you brought up um, brother Matt Bat Wiersma. He's um, another cross and crown man and a good friend and brother of ours. He does a lot of this, and obviously the vast majority of his interactions are good. And um, so I, I like a lot of the agitation on the streets that understands that a couple years ago I was right where that person was. The yeah. kind of agitation on the streets that realizes that everything I know about abolition, everything I know about the gospel, are things that God taught me I didn't go and like find out by myself. So like yeah. having that understanding of of dependence on God while being firm and and like passionate. And it's a real hard thing to do at the same time, but I think it's necessary. Yeah. That's why it's for the mature. It's, you know, it's a, um, it's a good qualifier. I think it's a healthy one. If you're immature, an immature believer who doesn't know the difference between being a jerk and um, stirring up and being salt and light, then don't try to agitate. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to add one thing. It, when we when we think about the prophets in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, any of them, really, you can pick your Elijah. You know, um, this idea of agitation really has a lot to do and you use the word apathy, but we could also say the issue of false peace in our society. Um, because we are ignoring injustice by and large or perpetuating it, as it were, um, the, the way you jar someone out of that is by exposing the evil, whether that's an aborted si- a graphic sign. Sometimes that's just what's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you are trying to disrupt the false peace. And that's not easy to do <laughs> because it's it's cloaked as if it's a good thing, right? It's cloaked as if it is where I am right now at a peaceful situation because I don't have this. I don't have the, I'm not getting an abortion. I'm just a church goer, right? So I'm just going to church, doing my thing. And I don't like it maybe, but I don't care enough to necessarily do anything. Right. And one thing that you'll, one thing that you'll definitely find is that wherever you're exposing the evil abortion, people are going to tell you it's the wrong place. That's true. Like wherever you go. And I'm not even necessarily saying that everywhere is the best place, but I am saying that wherever you go, whether it's in front of a school or at a parade or a city council meeting or on Facebook, even people are going to tell you it's the wrong place, wrong time. And they're going to interpret it as you just um, being annoying. Right. But it's the message of the gospel and it's the message of calling, you know, exposing evil that should be offensive. It will be offensive, but that should be offensive. Not you, not your. You don't need to help the gospel. Yeah, be offensive. exactly. It's offensive enough. Right. So be bold, be courageous. Thank you to all those brothers who are out there so faithfully doing that. We applaud you and we're thankful for you. And uh, to those who um, to those who, who need to make sure that they're doing it with. Uh, with wisdom and humility, you know, listen up, um, you know, take note. Right. 
All right, that's agitation. Second mode. Assistance. Assistance is a super vital part of abolition, and without assistance, our ideology um, is really hollow. Uh, so assistance really depends on the needs. So all we're talking about is, uh, um, with assistance is that we are meeting the immediate physical, spiritual, and emotional needs of others. Uh, it could be women that are abortion-minded. It could be husbands or sisters or brothers, anybody surrounding injustice, whether it's abortion or not, that we are meeting their needs and not in sort of a wishy-washy, just giving them what they want, but giving them what they need. Mm -hmm. And I really like what you've been preaching on the last several weeks, uh, Pastor Garwood, uh, quick plug, (laughs) (laughs) preaching about emotions. And one of the things that you hit on is how we have to be holistic about that, is that it's not just raw like physicality and it's not just spiritual it's everything in between so when we are talking about assistance from an abolitionist perspective we have to be equally holistic we're not just giving them diapers and sending them on their way we're not just giving them money on sending them on their way we are preaching the gospel we are discipling hopefully we're becoming part of the same communities that's that's really what we're that would be a great aim uh, but we also are meeting those physical needs too, as needed. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're trying to meet all of those things. And, and, and another important part of assistance is that it should be temporary. This is not a, um, a situation where we want individuals to become dependent on assistance. We're trying to disciple them in a way where they could take dominion over their own life and be a good steward over their own life. That might take some time. It might not take very much time. So it really depends. I don't want a one-size-fits-all perspective on this at all. Right. And that's assistance. Good. I think it's fair to say there there is economic reasons for abortion. I mean, in terms of if you want to zoom out and you can say, okay, well, higher poverty areas may have more proclivity to having abortions and so forth. A lot of times it's the Planned Parenthoods are targeting those areas um, specifically. But you'll also find that a lot of time, you know, when you're in, in front of the mill and, and you're offering assistance either – anything from diapers to I will adopt your baby, it's incredibly rare that you're taken up on that because it's at, at that point, it's not, the assistance isn't the issue. <laughs> the issue is I'm dead set on this trajectory for this, this reason, this reason, this reason. Um, I think a lot of people sometimes will sort of look down on abolitionists who are in front of the mill who aren't, um, you know, they'll say, well, why aren't you giving to these people? Why aren't you, these people have needs, they have diapers and they don't understand half the time. No, they've been offered this. They, you know, they're constant, we're constant, they're, we're constantly being turned down with those kinds of offers. Um, and at that, at those, those final, the final gate, I guess you could say the final step before they go and, and kill the baby. Um, at that point, what they, they need is to be warned and what they need is to be, um, told to stop and and why they need to stop yep. at that point. I think there's a, a pattern that I um, have personally witnessed and I've heard other people um, have got, have witnessed the same sort of thing where they get involved in abortion ministry and they hold a fundraiser to go buy a lot of diapers and formula and they fill up a closet or a garage of this stuff and they're like, yes. And then they go out to the abortion clinic and it takes years and years and years to go through a fraction of what people gave to get this stuff. And it's because oftentimes people are very, very willing to give some money for some diapers or some formula, but they're far less likely to become more engaged in other ways or to speak out themselves. 
so assistance is super important and has to be a genuine, genuine thing. Like we actually have to be able and willing. Um, but you're absolutely right, Jordan. A lot of times it's not the factor that actually is the determining issue at that uh, level, financial, yeah. financial mm-hmm. assistance at least. And that's really important. Good, good discussion. All right. So we we've, we've left our listeners just hanging in the balance here. Um, we want to get right to the, to the announcement and really that has everything to do with what we've been talking about. Um, I mentioned earlier, you can go to abolition101.com and, uh, abolition101.com is just a, is a, is a great site. It's very simple. It's a very minimalist site. There's not a, you know, tons and tons and tons of rabbit holes. Um, it's just a basic site explaining the doctrine of abolitionism. And what's really awesome is it's going to be live now. So we, we want to send you over to the statement the abolition statement, the statement on abolition, we can call it. Uh, this is basically a collaborative effort with several different people to put together a, a statement on orthodoxy. What does it mean to have an orthodox theology? It's really a way to explain a lot of these, the, the five tenets. We're, we're trying to flesh this out. What are the, you know, what, what does the Bible actually teach on these matters and the statement's going to there's a preamble with it there's um, explanation and all of these things with bible verses there and it's really cool because you can scroll over the bible verses and see it you can read it right there before your very eyes just to see what the statement is all about so that's the big announcement so go there you can do that while we're talking here and you can check out the statement abolition101.com you can click the link there um, or go to uh, abolition101.com slash statement. John, what are we doing here? Why do we need a statement? <laughs> well, we were just talking about abolitionism, and one of the tenets of abolitionism is gospel-centered. Now, all of these tenets do actually need to be defined a little bit more, but specifically gospel-centered, it's really easy, and we all know this, it's really easy to say that you believe the gospel. Mormons say they believe the gospel. Mormons, Pentecostals say they believe the gospel. Jehovah Witnesses, mm-hmm. Roman Catholics, everybody, it seems. Pelagians. Pelagians. Everybody, it seems, believes in the gospel. Not everybody, of course, but so many people out there who are not actual people within Orthodox Christianity says they believe the gospel. So there's become you know, over the years, a greater and greater need to unify under the gospel, to unify under Orthodox Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so this statement is a way for Christians to come together under Christ, under identity in Christ, and say, this is what we affirm Christianity as. And as all doctrinal statements, this statement is to unify and also to separate from. It's to unify and to divide from. And we want to unify with our brothers in Christ who are abolitionists, who are Orthodox Christians, that we might have disagreements with them on various subjects, Mm -hmm. uh, but they are brothers and they do believe in abolitionism. And we want to unify with them in this statement, uh, while at the same time, the statement divides. Mm -hmm. And that is also important uh, because, and we, we could talk about this for a long time, and there's many different examples. Um, abolitionism is a rather radical idea. 
as I believe Christianity should be, mm-hmm. to be perfectly frank. And if anybody is familiar with Cross and Crown Radio, you'll know that we are not afraid of getting into some radical topics. <laughs> so that should not be a surprise. But sometimes radicalism brings in people who are just radical for the sake of being radical. So oftentimes abolitionism has been kind of described as like a really radical pro-lifeism. So it brings in certain people who might not be associated with any local fellowship, who are off the rocker when it comes to doctrine, and they're oftentimes completely off the rocker when it comes to methodology as Mm -hmm. well. So it could be your stereotypical hellfire uh, Pelagian street preacher that looks very much like a Westboro Baptist, for example, and they're just screaming hellfire and perdition and damnation. And of course, all these things are you know, true to a degree, but I, I want to stress, I hope you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we would agree that in the doctrine of hell, like the, in right. God's judgment, final judgment, resurrection, et cetera, um, basic evangelical Christian doctrine, orthodox doctrine. Uh, but you're right. You have semi-Pelagian heretics. Uh, or full Pelagian. Full, full Pelagian. Pelagian. Sorry. Uh, we would want to qualify that. <laughs> Sorry, Armenian friends. Yeah, yeah. Classical Armenian friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Full-on Pelagian heretics who, who don't have a biblical gospel. Um, Mormons, same thing. You know, they walk up to your door and knock on the door and say, "Hey, we're Christians. Have you heard about Jesus?" Well, well, hold on. Let's, we need to talk because you don't have the right Jesus. So I, I think it's important to point out it's not because we want to have some club thing where we're like, "Oh, you can't join our club." It's like, no, we're not going to be honoring God if we're going about this in a conflicted way. Right. And so we can't partner with all these other folks who reject the Christ that we get our authority from. Right. How are we going to how are we going to have success if we're if we're partnering with all these people who have a completely different Lord? No, you're absolutely right. Like when we say that abortion is going to be abolished by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we mean it. And that has implications. And we have to actually act like it. We actually have to act like it. So that means like if you hold to a theology that denies who Christ is or denies the gospel, then you are our mission field, not our mission partners. Yes. Yeah, and and we don't want to say, hey, you can't join us. We want to engage with you, but we're going to engage with you in a different way. Right, and so this is, I mean, this is not a full list or anything, but like this would definitely include Roman Catholics. This would definitely include Seventh-day Adventists, Open Theists, Unitarians, Moral Government Theory, Full Preterism, Pelagianism. Like, I can go on and on. You know, there's all these different sects and all these different heretical ideas that have infiltrated abolitionism. And... And it's not because abolitionism is false. It's because abolitionism is an ideology and anybody can go online and buy a t-shirt and sign. Yeah. And so we want to take a stand and say, no, abolitionism is centered on the gospel. And what I, what I love about the statement is it's super clear because it's got not only affirmations, here's what we believe, but also denials. Here's what we deny. And that, that I love. I love affirmations and denials. It makes it so much clearer yes. to be clear about what you actually believe than, than just saying what you believe. Um, the yeah, denials with, are great. Without trying to, you know, write a 15 volume work, you know, like John Owen, you know, we're, um, <laughs> yeah, God bless the man. But my goodness, like we, we want it to be simple, but not you know, so dumbed down in the sense that we're like losing com- essential components. We're trying to hit all the key aspects of abolitionism and where they're, how they're rooted in scripture. So you have, yeah, you have affirmations and denials. Um, all of those, uh, 
things are there. There's Bible verses, uh, as I mentioned. So we we want to invite the listener to go sign the statement. Read it over. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. Can you sign this thing? You can sign the thing. So You can uh, sign it right now. Uh, yeah, like halfway through that, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know if I said that yet. But you can sign it um, right this very second while you are listening to us. Pause this episode. You can right pause now. it. And go sign it. We'll rarely say that. Go sign it if you believe in it. Yes. And if you don't believe in it, let's talk because I don't know if you believe the gospel or not. Don't sign it if you don't believe it. Or maybe, maybe we're accidental heretics and included a weird typo. Let us know. Yes. I don't yeah. think that's the case, though. We've we've looked over this a lot. A lot of people never from a know. lot of churches have looked at this. Right. So, but right. it is pretty broad. So right. So you, you'll see that there are a number of pastors um, and, and leaders within the abolitionist movement that have helped author this, and who are also initial signers. People that have looked over it, uh, made suggestions, uh, corrections sometimes, and so we're very thankful for everybody who's uh, joined along. And there's even some people. Um, who, you know, maybe later are going to be able to sign on. And we're always very thankful for them as well. And so I uh, just wanted to Body thank driven. everybody that has helped with this. Mm-hmm. I was joking with you the other day, Garwood, that I have, um, I, you know, I definitely have a lot of respect for everybody who's written like an Orthodox confession of the faith. But <laughs> yeah. I, it gave me a little bit more respect to those guys because what they wrote was so much longer and so much more complex and so much more beautiful than anything I've written. <laughs> <laughs> and the little thing that I've written and, 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 and that I wrote with, with you, Pastor Garwood, and others as well, was such a, uh, an endeavor that it, uh, it gives yeah. me a lot of respect for those guys. So, you know, it, it's something that we're excited about. It's something that we think is important. Uh, so please share it around uh, to your, your friends, your family, especially your church. Yeah, we kind of, the joke was, uh, if only the Westminster Assembly would have had Google Docs. Oh, we had to Google Docs with. and it was still, yeah. They, so. did, they, they, <laughs> didn't, they didn't have the cloud to work together and collaborate on this project. So, yeah, one thing, you know, just to, to kind of, we're all kind of just looking at the statement here and, and um, we're really quite pleased and happy with, with where it's at. And, you know, like we said, reach out to us if you have any questions. Uh, please send us a message. Um but the affirmations and denials, you know, when we talk about the biblical and theological, we have the doctrine of scripture, the doctrine of God, the imago dei, the, the deity and incarnation of Christ. Um, we cover a lot of topics. There's a, there's a broad, you know, uh, perspective, if you will, providential, you know, God engages with his creation. There's dependence of creation on the creator, the glory of God in creation, um, the gospel centered uh, section is also important. The doctrine of sin. What do we affirm about sin and what do, what do we deny? Um, the doctrine of the cross, the doctrine of the kingdom, um, the doctrine of last things. These are, these are important concepts that all of them really can distinguish between that person who is, you know, a non-heretic versus who is a heretic. Um, especially when we think of the last things, um, full on preterism is a thing. People who would reject, you know, the future coming of Christ because, you know, it's all, this is all there is now. Um, yeah. The, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the body driven aspect to the universal local church, the duty and responsibility of the church. Uh, go take a look. The, we just want to invite the listeners to go, to go read it. Take your time. What I love about this too, for all you intensely practical brothers out there who I love, this serves a purpose, practically speaking, uh, because we cannot win this fight without doctrinal clarity. Um, it's important 
as we go forward that as we've already talked about that uh, we rally around the true gospel of Christ and the goal of this document tactically and John feel free to jump in too is to rally together those uh, believers who um, are with us and, and, and who are Orthodox Christians who are abolitionists so that we can go forward in unity and in confidence and would you say, John, that's the sort of the tactical aspect of this? Amen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, big time. I think it's very helpful in that regard. And in fact, I felt that it was vital to include a section of the statement on orthopraxy, not just what we believe, but what we do. And one of the things that we strongly affirm is that abolitionism is more than just signing up on a statement. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> Abolitionism is more than going on our website and signing the statement, though you should do that. Mm-hmm. But you have to act on that. Right. And so it's very unifying. And and there's there's another kind of factor in this. And this is a uh, a problem with abolitionism that is very historic. And I don't think it's abolitionists' fault. It's because abolitionists throughout history have oftentimes been labeled as heretics or oftentimes been maligned unfairly. And I don't think that's true. I don't think they're heretics at all. Uh, I think there have been people that have claimed abolitionism that have been heretics, but by and large, it has been a broad and diverse community that has had some people who are heretics, but for the most part has been broad, broadly evangelical and orthodox. So in in the fight against slavery, for example, there was a large community of very orthodox uh, Irish covenanters, Presbyterian, Reformed, confessional. I mean, my goodness, they're more orthodox than me when you start (laughs) listing out those things, or at least they seem to be. More confessional. More confessional than me, I should say. (laughs) Uh, And and, and, um, they were hardcore abolitionists. And they called on the Southern Presbyterian Church to excommunicate everybody who has slaves. And they took a firm stand against the Southern Presbyterian theologians of the day, including uh, R.L. Dabney and Thornwell. Thornwell. These were not some kind of lightweight, you know, uh, Unitarian preacher men. These were confessional reformed seminarian pastors taking a stand for the abolition of slavery. And today, in 2019, there are hundreds of doctrinally sound, godly men and women who are abolitionists. And yes, there are also some who are not Mm -hmm. doctrinally sound. And that's why we want to write this. That's why we want to affirm this and sign this so we can rally together for the people that have concerns about abolitionism because of things they've heard on Facebook or Twitter. They can look at this and say, wait a second, we might have some differences with maybe this group over here or that group over there, and there's no reason to even name them right now. But abolitionism as the idea is true. And I can join together with these people because they believe the gospel. Amen. Yeah, so you can you can send this statement to somebody who may have questions like you know, maybe it's a staunchly reformed guy. He's even got a great beard, right? And he's yeah, drinks heard, good beer. He's beer. heard about abolitionists. They are just rebel rousers, and uh, you know they they do crazy things. And 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 you're his friend, and you can say, well, actually, you know, here's here's a statement on it, and this is the biblical categories that we're working with. You know, send him the website. I mean, that that's a wonderful tool to help you know persuade people 
to understanding the the rock solid Christian orthodoxy we're talking about. And if you're familiar with the the confessions, this statement is going to sound familiar as you read it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Any doctrinal statement needs to be filled with plagiarism. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or rough plagiarism. Yeah, God, God if, I was, if, if we were making things up and it sounded really novel, then that should have been the red flag. Yeah. And, and maybe we can talk a little about, about this more while we have just a few more minutes left. But the, sort of the, um, the false abolitionism. Sure. Um, because I think that's important because there's a lot of uh, misnomers that are out there. A lot of things that the statement, I think, helps clarify. Um, but especially what are the things, what would you say, John, are the things that, um, you know, people may be waving the abolitionist flag, but it's not quite. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can touch on that a little bit. And and again, there's going to be there's going to be more than one thing like this. But one that sticks out uh, would be the abolitionists that are uh, narrowly political centric mm-hmm. and their goals and their focuses are very, very narrow on politics, on legislative efforts. And I want to say very clearly, I support good sound biblical legislative efforts, but it's the focus on the political side of it. And it's a narrow focus where they're, they're not teaching regeneration. They're not teaching salvation. They're not teaching um, the cross. They're not teaching any of these things. And that creates a sort of abolitionism that is maybe a one-tenant abolitionism. They believe in immediatism. I'm not sure if they believe in gospel-centric. And they throw out body-driven because it's it's sort of your, your, you and your friends. Sure. And-, and they might affirm all five. But functionally and practically, what's going on is, is they're immediatists. Yeah, to the person who's not familiar with the movement at all, and they read what's putting out there, they're going to see one thing, immediatism, and that's pretty much it. Right, they're going to see immediatism, they're going to see states' rights, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to see maybe jury nullification kind of ideas, uh, or not, Which not jury nullification, nullification, but nullification yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I don't want to, it's like these are all good things, uh, but there's a reason why there was talk of seven stages of abolition. So, you know, years ago, men got together and we talked about the stages of abolitionism. What would be natural? Uh, looking at history and looking at scripture, what would be natural? And there was, there was, there was these different stages and there were things like um, sowing the seeds of abolition and there was uh, weeding and weeding out in the movement. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of them because we don't have the time. Yeah. Um, but eventually you get to revival. Then after revival, you get revolution, and revolution is one of those scary-sounding words again. So I want to want to say we're not talking about violent revolution; we're just talking about turning culture upside down. Yeah. Um, and then finally, finally, you get to abolition, and and I frankly feel like people are trying to jump to abolition, mm-hmm. and we haven't got to a, re- a revival yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get abolition when the people want abolition, and we're not going to get ro- revival if we don't have the gospel straight. Right. Either exactly. So that, that's definitely kind of like a, like a false abolitionism that is strictly political and there's an appearance of holiness, an appearance of godliness, but they use scripture in the same way the pro-life movement uses scripture. They use scripture to bolster their political position while not actually letting scripture shape how they're doing everything. Well, it's okay. So let me, let's, this one we need to talk about because we kind of hinted at it earlier. Sure. But let's, what is this smash mouth stuff? Oh yeah. Because... <laughs> you know, uh, smash mouth incrementalist or what, what? I forget the title. I don't even know exactly what they're saying, but w- what are they getting at? 
So uh, there's this uh, there's this crowd of guys who say a lot of good things and they say some bad things. <laughs> uh, they're mostly out of Idaho. You might have heard of them. Uh, Cross politic guys. So it's going to be like Toby Sumter, Gabriel Ranch, uh, uh, Douglas Wilson. I think is. Um, um, the big he, influence. He's like a big influence. I mean, I don't think he's like a co-host of the podcast, but he's one of right. the bastards of the the churches up there. And uh, a while back, they engaged with some of my articles on abolitionism and immediatism. Uh, Toby Sumter did, and then Douglas Wilson did. Mm-hmm. And at some at one point, they claimed to be abolitionists, essentially because they believed in what they called a smash mouth incrementalism. So they believed in a incrementalism that they felt was justified uh, because it was radical incrementalism. Uh, however, that really fails to understand the nature of the fight. It completely fails to understand the nature of the fight uh, because incrementalism, properly understood, isn't some uh, one step at a time towards the goal. Incrementalism is going away from the goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you might be running all the plays, but you're running the wrong direction. Right. Or you're running plays that you're not actually legally allowed to do in terms of the rules of the game. Right. Exactly. And this gets into ethics a little bit. And right. it could be a completely different episode, uh, but like uh, which is the theme of the episode, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, because because I could run a play where the defensive back has to hold the receiver all the way down the field. Right. right. <laughs> and no, it, it's super important to understand this is yeah. like the the abolitionist position of wanting to abolish abortion is an ethical position that is an ethical position but how we go about doing it is every bit as ethical Amen. so that could be um uh violent lone wolf vigilantism might be in name fighting for abolition but it's not righteous correct it's not righteous so that is a, that is a method and they could be as smash mouth immediatist as they want, but that is not righteous. So the, the, the methodology is every bit as ethical as the goal. And that's super important to understand. So uh, incrementalism and how we go about trying to seek the abolition of abortion is every bit as ethical as the goal itself. Right. So you can't be adopting legislative efforts and you can't be adopting rhetoric that undermines the core principles of what we're trying to do. Right. This is primarily a gospel issue, and we cannot be communicating to culture and society ideas that we don't actually believe. That's it. If we're to disciple the nations, which we are told to do, we're commanded to disciple the nations, then we do not take our playbook from them. We do not. We teach them what justice is. We teach them what it is is righteous in this moment. And, and by compromising, and it is compromise, with a heartbeat bill, you can't say, oh, we're saving some babies. You are consigning babies to death. It's unrighteous. Yeah. I don't think you can take a Linskyite methodology and slap a Christian label on it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And Douglas Wilson has written on that with his Rules for Radicals. And he does explicitly take a lot of what Alinsky wrote. And I wrote, read that book. And there are some good things about that book. But with that whole approach, you can go so far with it that you become, you start to adopt the methodologies that are actually evil in and of themselves. Yeah. Some of them. You can't you can't completely copy everything that uh, the forces of Satan do in the way they fight the battle. Right. You can't just change the upholstery on this. Right. Because I mean, you're not getting out that stain. Yeah, there are things that, you know, Saul Alinsky being made in the image of God, he's that he got right in terms of like principles. But, you know, the presupposition throws the whole thing off. 
Right. So we can redeem things that are that are out there in the world because the image of God is in everyone. Right. Um, and it goes really deep. And I would like to actually have an entire episode on immediatism, but it has everything to do with our core presuppositions. We as believers believe in the providence of God and we believe we are going to be uh, successful in history if we r- remain faithful. And that is super super vital and central to what we're trying to do and what we're saying while the secular view their view is literally we can do whatever we can do to get our goal yeah <laughs> like it's yeah. it's a complete inverse of yeah of the ideologies and i think there's a lot of misconception about what incrementalism is um and like you know i i'd be all for if there was a um a, some city code that that a, a local um mill was in violation of and you invoke that city code you bring it up and you shut that thing down and on some level you might save some babies but you cannot then claim to say that is your approach to abolitionism because that's 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 a different thing mm-hmm. we're talking about the legal prohibitions against um or which are protecting the the killing the legalized killing of human life of the unborn um, so again, that's not it's not against abolitionism to look at ways that you can shut down the local uh, within uh, within um, ethical means that you can shut down the local mill in your area. But that should not be your approach to abolition. Right. John, does that make sense? Because no, it's ethics it does. all the way through. It does make sense. And you have to have a covenantal aspect, like outlook on this. So jurisdiction matters. Like if I if I abolish abortion within the jurisdiction, that I have power and then that's abolition. But I can't go about, <laughs> I can't abolish abortion in a segment of the jurisdiction that I have and call that abolition. Yeah, okay. So so what you're saying is um, it's not against the tenets of abolitionism to want to abolish abortion in your county or in your state versus the world <laughs> versus, no, if we can't have abolition over the whole world, that's an incrementalist approach, you know. Right, exactly. It completely depends on like what realm of influence you have. Like, what is your jurisdiction? I can have a just jurisdiction over my family or my household, and for me to be just within that context isn't to be unjust because my neighbor isn't just. There, there, right, go. yeah, right. That's the distinction. All right, we are over our time, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know it happens, um, but you know one thing we do want to emphasize is that we serve King Jesus, King Kingdom over cause. You can read about that on the site abolition101.com check out the statement there please consider signing it sharing it with your friends um, a lot of great content on there um, I'm just thankful for all these folks who, who joined with us to look it over to uh, you know from everybody who was a content creator to those who you know read first drafts and, and those things you know huge thank you to all of you um, for doing that so again abolition101.com um, also, find us on Facebook, Crossing Crown Radio. Send us a message. Give us a rating on iTunes. We'll read it on air. Any any other final thoughts, guys, before we close it up? Just an encouragement to all the people out there who are fighting abolition in, in, in a variety of different ways, to the mom who's working to train up godly kids who are going to undermine the forces of evil that create this monster that we have of, of the abortion holocaust, to the people who are out there on the streets faithfully going out to the, the mills and the schools and the city councils and um, you know the young men, the older men, the young women, the older women, you know children finding ways to get involved. Um, you know encouragement to all of you: keep fighting the good fight. Don't give up. Don't look at the the battle ahead and get too afraid. You know um, 
we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the Word of God. We have the church. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail. So be encouraged. Amen. Amen. Sounds great. All right. Don't forget to check out our, our uh, sponsor, Tell Us Coffee. You can go get some delicious roasted coffee there for those guys. So, all right. That's it for us. <laughs> Until next time, we'll have a little bit of a break coming up, but we'll be back soon. So grace and peace to you all. You